This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And I can't believe we've only got two official matches left of this season. Not one, but two. Oh, I've got somebody putting five fingers ahead of me here. I think this person here is very, very optimistic. But we'll come on to that a little bit later. As far as I'm concerned, there's two more games left of the official season. And we've had a very good weekend last weekend because QBR came to town, QBR tried to conquer, QBR did absolutely none of the sorts as they went home with, as we say, zero point, nil point. So we thought we'd come back out west because we had such a good time in West London. We come to West London to the Drayton Court Hotel in West Ealing. And why is this place so familiar? Ah, I know, because we've got our end of season bees up here, right downstairs below us. The room that opens out into the garden, wicked, wicked venue, sold out. But if you go on to besotted.com, you go to the Waving Hand Martin Allen, you can put your name down, you can get on the wait list because we'll be probably freeing up a few more tickets very, very soon, as soon as people tell us that they're not able to make it because we've got some people waiting on the list. But anyway, I'm at the Drayton Court Hotel and this is a wicked, wicked little place. Like I said to you, back in the day, it was a little bit of a den, a little bit of a, like a, mm, I'm not quite sure. In fact, one of our guests even used to actually do a little plays here back in the day, which she'll probably tell you about in a little bit. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant here and I love coming to this boozer they've taken very very good care of us and I'm sitting here with a smile on my face after the game I've got no blue and white hoops wearing because I would never do anything like that and I'm talking to Mr Dave Lane who is also smiling Dave how are you I'm very good you describe this place as a little boozer it's a little bit more than that mate this is a a mighty impressive hotel Um, a hotel that has uh, been been host to a few very very famous actors and actresses in its time a lot all the eating comedies or eating films were made just up the road and uh all the stars stayed in this hotel and uh we, we stayed here as well we, we did <laughs> not, actually. Not, not, that you, not that you remember not that i can remember we did stay here exactly a year ago last year after the, the bees up last year and uh we're trying to work out exactly what room we spoke we'll probably talk about that in a little bit because there's all sorts of different rooms in this place as well and downstairs here we're in we're in a, a lovely massive bar there's another bar next door there's another bar next door. and then there's a smoking room next door as well where if you want to put your pipe and slippers on and you go there and you just sort of chill out you can't smoke, you can't smoke though no you can't smoke you just sort of you know just sort of Put your pipe and slippers on, didn't you? Can't even vape. No, no, indeed. But anyway, so we'll be moving on. We've got the man, Savvy B, in the house. Savvy B, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I've had a very nice day today. We launched uh, one of our films at uh, the lovely Battersea Arts Centre in Battersea. And, um, yeah, really, really, really enjoyable day. Nice big crowd. Uh, how long was the launch? Uh, 21 seconds? Uh, no, no, it's... Uh, that, that's, that's an in-joke because uh, the, the film was about um, an estate in Clapham Junction uh, called the Wind Stanley, which is where So Solid crew 
uh, came from. And we interviewed one of the So Solids for the film. Nice chap called Shabs. My mate Shabs. Yeah, I know, I know you know him. He said hello. And uh, But the launch was lovely. We had like uh, over 100 people there. And uh, all the kids introduced their film and got lots of applause and lots of plaudits. And uh, it was really, really, really nice event. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. You've got a smile on your face as well. So you've got a bit of so solid action and also red and white hoop, blue and white hoop action for the weekend as well. And we've got a newbie, as we say to you, we always reach out to fans to say, listen, if you want a cup on the besotted pride of West London podcast, just put in an email, put in a text, put in a, a DM and in, in, in Twitter, or just come up to us in the pub and say, can we come on the podcast? And it's absolutely no problem. And we met Kate, who's here with me now. We met her at Millwall after the game in one of those um, micro breweries with the beardy characters and the Millwall characters milling around outside but they didn't seem to be able to want to come in and we had a drunken conversation and she said oh I want to come on the podcast and we went brilliant and she's here now Katie B how you doing I'm very good Billy thank you you uh, you excited to be here? You look excited. I am very excited. I've had a tough day at work, but now I'm here with a beer, relaxing and chatting about the bees. And listen, chatting about the bees, I mean, we, 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 I mean, we sort of say, oh, we, I've been here before. I mean, every pub that we come to in West London, I always say, I used to come here when I was a school kid. But you actually really did come here back in the day because you actually did a little bit of activity back here, didn't you? I did. Back in the late 1990s, I stage managed two productions when downstairs was a theatre. So I stage managed The Importance of Being Earnest and I stage managed Hedda Gabler, which is not a very cheery play. I did, I did. So we bring, like I said, bring a bit of culture to the Pride of West London podcast here. But look, listen, we're talking about this pub. This is the Drayton Court Hotel West Ealing. Wicked, wicked place. And like we said to you, we were upstairs last year, me and Lainey, and we were sort of stumbling around about three o'clock in the morning trying to find which bedroom we're going to be in. You know, and we found that we weren't sure if it's going to be. Which one is it? The, the blue lamp? Was it the... I think we stayed in. Um, I think we stayed in the par- passport to Pimlico Suite. Okay, the passport. I mean, because it could have been whiskey galore as well, or maybe the Lavender Hill Mob Suite as well, or I guess this is, was it the kind. Kind Hearts and Coronets, yeah. Kind Hearts and Coronets. I mean, apparently these are all names of Ealing, Ealing comedies. Famous Ealing, Ealing, films. Ealing films, very famous Ealing films as well. And they thought they'll, they'll name that after that as well. We thought that's a really good idea as well. But then we moved on to the idea. I mean, Ealing films, apparently just down the road was... Um, Sid James. Yeah, Sid, Sid James used to live in Gunnersbury Avenue, very near the uh, North Korean Embassy. The North Korean Embassy and also Gunnersbury Park, which is just down the road from Lionel Road. So obviously, Sid James said, I need to live as close to Lionel Road, Breakfast New Stadium, as I can. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you, Butler. Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong person. Uh, so, but um, and I was just thinking, you know, so we got Sid James, we got this Ealing, Ealing movies, and then Hattie Jakes, Hattie Jakes as well. Carry on. I mean, Carry On movies. What's your favourite Carry On movie? Okay. Carry on camping. Tell me why. Because <laughs> I love a tent. Love a bit of outdoor action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. Okay, a little bit of outdoor action. We'll move on from that. Okay, we, we all like a bit of fresh air as well, don't we? Savvy B. Uh, mine's Carry On Cabby because I really like the, the old black and white ones. And uh, Hattie Jakes and Sid James just rule that um, that film. And Charles Hawtrey is absolutely brilliant in it as a sort of useless cabby. It's a really funny film. Oh, 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 Lainey. Um, my favourite one is um, Carry On Up the Khyber, which um, featured Barbara Windsor. And um, if I remember rightly, it was John Terry's mum in one of them. Oh, no, anyway, <laughs> she'll move on from that as well. And I'll just sort of think of there's plenty of Carry Ons. What do you mean? I like Carry On Doctor, which I thought was kind of hilarious. They sort of had a bit of a theme. But did you also know there are a number of Carry On movies that actually never did happen? 
There was a carry on smoking. I, mean, I can't. Can you imagine what that was about? Yeah, carry on injecting was the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There was also carry on robbing. I mean, can you can you imagine what that's about? Don't know, Batman. <laughs> there was a carry on, and this is a, this is probably one for for Birmingham City. Carry on escaping. Uh, no chance. <laughs> uh, there's one for uh, the Leeds fans out there. Carry on Dallas. Right. Uh, carry on believing. That's carry on believing, and that's right. And also, that's right. Carry on believing and carry on dreaming as well, which is what we're doing at the moment now, because we've two games to go, and we've got six maximum points, and it's all still up in the air. In principle, we're not really going to go up, but you just never ever know what will happen. So let's hark back to the weekend. We played QPR. We had a right laugh at against QPR. They come down to Griffin Park and we play them and we always beat them and then they're very unhappy and then they go home and they say, ah, oh, Brentford, we can never beat them. And exactly the same thing happened on Saturday. QPR came down to Griffin Park. We played them and we beat them and they all went home and they went, oh, no, Brentford, we never beat them. Not very happy. But we talked to the fans in the pub after the game, the QPR fans, who weren't happy, and the Brentford fans, who were very happy. Let's listen to what they had to say in the pub after the game what we've got to do we've just got to keep on winning two games left in this season two games that could see us get into the playoffs really good battling performance by the Beast today um, you know let's not let's not get hung up about refereeing decisions or anything we needed to battle that result we needed to grind it out Josephson that brilliant goal that brilliant second goal was what we needed come on you newbie missing the penalty bad point weak defending letting in a goal it was stressful really stressful Hollywood star Ralph Brown in the house Brighton man but you were there in the, watching the bees from the bees end were you impressed with what you saw today uh, it was a wonderful atmosphere here actually I've always wanted to come to a proper West London derby and that dished up everything I expected should have been a red card in the first half of the goalie the, the Brentford uh, centre forward was through one on one with a goalie and he got hacked down in the penalty area so it's a penalty and a red that's the rules the referee bowled it gave him a yellow so the goalie stays on and they miss the penalty QPR then equalised two minutes later it's one all at half time should have been 2-0 against 10 men yeah Brentford have loads more chances and uh, they're just a better team of football team you know than QPR deserved win playoffs here we come if we don't do it we don't do it but what a bloody great journey and I'm so pleased that those those QPR players giving it to us Silla Silla oh my god if, if, if his getting in our face means kicking us all over the park then it worked but it didn't work in the end so you know we still won the Mick Jones in the house the Mick how you doing alright thank you listen yeah, you did, I know you didn't enjoy the game as much as I did but just give us your view on that game I thought we could have done better in the second half as QPR fan but I realised that Brentford are still in with a shout for the playoffs so it was right that they won we still got a chance so good luck to you yeah, right, nice one Mick tell you something mate is London's calling yeah right and that's Mick Jones from the Clash as well a bit earlier on if you didn't actually figure that one out I don't think we played very well first half it was you know we're mainly keeping Brentford out we weren't we're just hitting hope balls the penalty I didn't really see because I was at the back of the stand so I don't know what happened the games we do when we seem to get away with the skin of our teeth two penalties at Fulham they missed and all that I didn't come into this game thinking we we're going to get anything out of it and you know we lived up to that so I love coming down here I do I, I was saying before the game I've come every season since 1990 I've been to a game down here just so I like coming to the pubs and it you know it's a proper day out yeah incredible how can we get here after all the games we've fluffed our lines and 
you know, supposedly bottled it like at Millwall, etc. And now we're in this position. It's incredible. But, yeah, you know, it's great. Isn't it? Little Brentford. And we've still got something to play for with two games to go. It's fantastic. Happy days. I thought we'd nick it, but I think both teams are poor. But I think you boys edged it. I, I, I didn't think it was a particularly good game, actually. I thought it was uh, quite... I didn't think we played well. I thought keep it all uh, one-dimensional. They're, they're, they're a long ball team. But the, like, it was strange. I thought the keep it all tactic was hit it to the big man for the whole game. But the only is the big man didn't come on until minute 80. <laughs> that, was a, like, that was a bit weird. Reezy's brought Malpoy on. I thought Watkins was booked in the first half, I think. And I think he was... Um, he was, he was getting a bit aggy a couple of occasions. I think that was probably the motive behind bringing him off because there's a risk of a red card. But back to your thing about coping with long ball teams, I think a lot of that goes down to Mepham. I mean, earlier in the season, Mepham wasn't around. We didn't have Mepham. Mepham wasn't a thing. And Harley Dean was our man who would do that. And, and, and now Mepham is, is here. Mepham can deal with a big man a bit. Mepham dealt with a striker today. I thought that's the difference. I think he can deal with the big hoof up front. Of course, it doesn't mean that then we can go toe-to-toe like we want to, like last week when toe-to-toe are filling on the ground and, and, it, and it worked out all right for us in the end. Quite level level uh, pegging in the second half, I thought. I thought first half Rangers didn't turn up. Second half Brentford looked a bit nervy. thought the penalty turned it a bit, gave us half a chance, but uh, still a missed a good chance at the end there. Could have made all the difference. It's a London derby at the end of the game, at the end of the day, isn't it? And you want the boys to give 100%. So, personally, Billy, I'd stick with Ollie. I'd stick with Ollie. I do, I do think we got some deadwood there that we need to get shot off. I think it's about time we turned you over, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's about time Rangers turned up for a Brentford game, to be honest. I mean, since we beat you at Loftus Road, what, three years ago, was it? We just don't turn up for these games against you boys. I don't know what the problem is. Well, I'm sure we'll turn you over next year, mate, if we play. I thought we played really well, actually. I it was a really grown-up, kind of mature performance. Um, and the goal was justified... And the, and the dream set on. The, the second goal was great, wasn't it? It was, it was a lovely finish. Lovely touch from Sawyers again. Some of his touches during the game were just unbelievable. The centre-halves, again, Mepham was you know, unbelievable for, for the experience the guy's got. Egan alongside him, I thought, had a really good game today as well. Sawyers' his quality. Uh, yeah, it, it was good. We've got two games to go. Who knows? Yeah, we've got two more reasons to get excited and maybe three more. Yeah, it was really good. It was just what we needed. Um, just thought it wasn't I mean it wasn't a really great West London derby I didn't, I didn't think um, QPR were any good at all um, the, t- the tactics in the last 25 minutes of just punting the ball up is just shows you the difference between the two teams um, Ian Holloway's words during the week were just pathetic his, his team really didn't cause us a lot of bother um, everyone around here is still buzzing and everyone's talking about going to uh, Barnsley all of a sudden so uh, we were always going I think it's going to be like a West London exodus next week Listening to the fans back after the game, QBR fans, they were really, really not happy at all. And the Brentford fans were really, really happy. And that comes from, like I said to you, is our post-match podcast. And as you know, we do podcasts twice a week. We do this one, comes out on a Thursday, another one on a Saturday. And very pleased to know today we found out that we were nominated. And we are in the last, we're shortlisted. We're the last 10 podcast bloggers to be nominated for the Football Blogging Awards, FBA. So we're in the FBA, so thank you very much for all voting for us, and we're going to have to ask you now again to vote for us now. So if you go to besotted.com and you go to the top, hopefully the banner should be up there by now, and you'll just say, vote for us in the Football Blogging Awards. Thank you very much, and just vote for us there, and hopefully we can actually win that. Uh, but as you know, it's not all about the winning, it's about the taking part, so we're in there anyway, so it's all good. But thanks very much, nominated for Football Blogging Awards. But just coming back to that QPR game, 
absolutely fantastic. It was, you know, it was just hilarious. I mean, I thought after Fulham, I was a bit gutted. QBR coming straight after us. How we can reach the heady heights of Fulham, even though we didn't win, it felt like a win because we got a 94th minute equaliser. But QPR, it took a little bit of time for us to get into it, but we controlled that game so much in the first half and we went ahead. Gutter that they got that equaliser, to be quite honest with you. But in the second half, the fact that normally it doesn't normally happen and we actually got that second goal, it felt so, so good. And the fact is, I mean, I know that we got two goals, but apparently Bidwell got a hat-trick, didn't he, Sav? He did, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but last year, uh, Hotter put him on his arse twice and Joseph soon uh, got the hat-trick on, uh, on Saturday. Just put him on his arse again and uh, scored the winning goal. Superb. He's got some stubborn stains in those, in those shorts. <laughs> I reckon probably boil wash to, to, to get those... To get those it's, it's really deep, deep green stains. Persil does the job, though. What, which one, biological or the other one? I think the biological one's a good one. And, and well, I think he probably needs to take it to a, like a, have a service wash. He needs he needs something really deep and cleansing for that one. <laughs> it is indeed. So I mean, Bidwell. Um, listen, I know that he got a little bit of abuse. It, it, to be fair, he was a very I thought he was a very good servant for Brentford. He served us well. He's the, the player he used to always stay late. He used to train very hard. Um, he went to keep your heart. Admittedly, he cluffed it again by sort of saying I had to go to a a bigger team or a better team or something like that he, kind of, he sort of said it sort of quite quietly but it, it did come out I think he was trying to do the thing with the local fans to endear him to the fans but unfortunately when you're only like two miles down the road that information sort of wafts back to the other part of London so a bit well fluffed it a little bit and uh, he's been getting a little bit of use here and there but at the end of the day and QPR fans didn't take to him for quite a while but now, apparently, because their team is so average, he's, he's <laughs> they actually quite like him, <laughs> which is um, which is quite bad. But the bidders, I mean, I know that you had a very good Saturday because you celebrated until the early hours of the morning. I think you didn't go home until about seven in the morning, did you, Kate? That's right. I left my brother's house. I got on the train to go home. I was feeling a little bit rough, shall we say? Got on the train, full of people on their way to run the London Marathon. Packed. That was an awful scenario. Did you did you feel like running the marathon with them? <laughs> no, I felt like running away. <laughs> but listen, talking about running away, I mean, Bidwell should have maybe run away because he, he wouldn't have these photographs of him falling on the floor, should he? No, it was, that was bad times for him, bad times for him. But good for us, so whatever. Jake Bidwell, I mean, what's your, I mean, your views as a Brentford player? I mean, what, when he played for us? I always thought he was solid, looked super committed, hardworking, looked massively part of the team. Loved that about him. I thought he was a good captain. I'm quite here for a sort of quiet, calm, collected, in control captain. I'm, I like that. That's, that's all good. That's interesting because, so, so again, you talk about Bidwell. So, Egan, you quite like his sort of quite calm influence because there's a lot of people sort of saying is he is he a captain is he commanding but you're you're not thinking that no well I think there's many ways to like be a captain be a leader and sometimes actually a steady ship is run by someone who's in control and both both Bidwell and Egan in really different ways I reckon um bring that and there's something to be said for that but he wasn't in control on Saturday (laughs) was he because uh, Joseph soon sort of kind of did the hokey pokey around him and then he scored a goal 
yeah, I mean, Joseph Soon just made him look stupid, didn't he? And it's the, that's the joy of Joseph Soon, right? That you just don't ever know when he's going to absolutely explode and leave someone looking stupid or on their ass. And, and, and talking about Joseph Soon, and we're going slightly off tact here because, I mean, Bidwell's hat-trick, we could talk about that all night, but we should move on because Joseph Soon, he's a player who you have been watching the rise and the rise of, and uh, you're very happy how he's stepped up his gears. I'm delighted for him, and and I'll, if I'm honest with you, and I and I you know I put my hand not not put my hands up, but I, I I'll say when he's good, and I'll say when he's bad. And earlier in the season, I don't, I don't think he contributed as much as he certainly is now. Um, there was a time where we were kind of saying, you know, he's getting a start, but really why he was too predictable. He didn't seem to have the pace. He didn't seem to have the confidence. Um, he played really well towards the end of last season and we thought he was indispensable and we fully understood why he was he got his contract but now but but, but towards the beginning of the season I thought he was not I wouldn't say a weak link but he was someone who probably he was a substitute rather than a starter now this you know we you know we were absolutely really really missing him when he was out of the team and um, to have him back you know, he just proved it, and maybe it's ever since he he tried to buy into the football club. Maybe he stands stands. Maybe he thinks he's you know he's going to be the owner soon. But um, but you know, Joseph soon he's probably he's certainly my most improved player of this season. So his name is so you think his name is Florian Benham? Is his name Florian Benham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Matt, 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 Matt Benenzoom. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, Joseph soon's picked up as well. Also, on Saturday there was a there was a little skill. It was a skill that was just like techers, as they say. Um, Romain Sawyers, who, again, super, it was like on another level of techersness. Um, Romain Sawyers, to be fair, he got abuse from people saying, ah, you're not good enough. But the thing is, people were saying that he's a particular type of player. Again, quite interesting, like you were talking about particular type of captains. Not everyone's a shouting, screaming captain. Other captains operate in different ways. And Sawyers is obviously a different type of player, but a very skillful player. And now he's had a season at Brentford, or at the time he's at Brentford, two seasons at Brentford, he started to really flourish. And he did some things on Saturday, which, as we said, if he had done that in the Premier League, they'd be showing that on loop on Match of the Day on Saturday and on Sky Sports and Soccer and Sunday. He did some things, didn't he, Sav? It was just amazing. I remember uh, many years ago, um, uh, D- uh, Dennis Bergkamp scored that goal where he ran round a player, sort of played it one side, ran round the other. And I watched it a hundred times and couldn't work out how he did it. And I've been doing the same thing with Sawyers on Saturday. He, d- he does like two tricks in the same move and it's just bewildering. You can say really, you know, it was just fantastic. And I mean, not only did he do two tricks and then he just plays the ball, cuts right through the QPR defence and uh, sets uh, Ollie Watkins on his way. It's just amazing. I mean, I, I love watching uh, Sawyers play anyway. I mean, for, for the two years, I've just really, really loved watching him play. And when he's on the team sheet and when he's playing, I just, I just basically, I, my eyes are glued to him for the whole game. I don't care what anyone else does. I just watch him play. He looked like he had a little nudge button, like one of those pinball nudge buttons on his heel, because he dragged it back and he kind of nudged it at the, sa- at the same time. It was just unbelievable. I... It's just it's sort of amazing when you think about all the different range of things he does as well, like the kind of individual skills that he's showing, his awareness of where everyone else is on the field. And as Sav was just saying, those balls he was playing through for Ollie Watkins, they were amazing. Like, how do you defend against that? The kind of vision that he has when he's playing. Do you think, right, and this is like pushing, because all of a sudden, one minute, he's come from, he's come from Walsall, then he's playing for Brentford, but, ah, you know, get rid of him, he's not good enough, and then all of a sudden he's doing this. Do you think he's too good for... 
this level because some people are saying that he, they think he's actually Premier League and maybe some of the things he's doing are a little bit too intelligent for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I think I think he could be. I think if there was a visionary manager or a visionary kind of DOF at a Premiership club that wanted to put brilliantly um, crafted bits of a chessboard together then he, he could be part of that. I think you need a, a really big vision and you, you couldn't if you're if you're looking at Romain Sawyers to say he, he's just a direct replacement for someone else, I think I think you're gonna be disappointed. I think if you're gonna look at crafting a big team together, I say you, you would want a Romain Sawyers in it, like you would probably want a Ryan Woods in there. You know, then then they're never gonna be as good as an individual world class midfielder. But if you're if you're putting a spirit of a team together, if you're recreating Brentford in the Premier League with slightly better versions of what we've got, I don't think I don't think necessarily we can have slightly better versions of those two. I think they're pretty good, but we need to we need to make them work to their best possible potential at Brentford. Uh, we're not we're not a million miles off. It's also quite interesting how versatile he is because I mean he's played up front um, as well and did a really, really good job, can hold the ball up really well. And if you look at when we're defending corners, he often takes the big man. I know he's, he's, he's quite tall, but not like massive. He's not like a sort of, you know, centre-half massive. But he's, he's, he's actually really well-versed in defending against uh, big players. So he's, he's a very versatile player. He isn't just one of these nice tippy-tappies. And his vision is just superb. And I, I, you know, going back to those bits of techers on Saturday, he actually played the ball against his foot. It was brilliant. He actually li- literally just passed to himself. And it was just fantastic. Um, chatting to some QPR people after the, uh, after the game, and the player that they picked out from our squad was Sawyers. They were straight away, they were like, your best player, Sawyers, without question. Best player on the field. So, I mean, we've got a smile on our face because we've got, you know, we've got Sawyers. I mean, the people are talking about, you know, who's going to be leaving Brentford in the summer and no one actually mentions Sawyers. But to be honest with you, you know, it could have been one well, of these ones out of the blue and we don't want any of these things to happen, but we can move on. But I'm um, talking about QPR fans. You spoke to QPR fans after the game. We all spoke to QPR fans after the game. And the one thing that did come out from our chat with QPR fans after the game is that, you know, Considering that they were in the Premier League, what, how long? What, three seasons ago was it? So they're, they're still parachute payments. So, you know, they've, they've, got, they've got a bit of money in the coffers. Four, is it four they came yeah. down when we went up? Did they? Yeah, well, three, four... Yeah, they might be they're on their last. So they've still got parachute payments. They've got money on their coffers. OK, they might have wasted it. That's not the point, you know. Um, but they're, they're, they're in all sorts of trouble, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're not doing well. And the QPR fans, to be fair, resign themselves now to have been the fourth team in West London. We can argue who's the, the, the second or the third team because we've been Ireland Fulham for a few seasons. Yeah, they've had a great season now and if they go up next season, of course, you know. But, you know, it's a blur if they get the playoffs and we're back there again, you know, things might not happen next season. So who's second and third? That's, a, that's a, the question's out on that one. But QPR, 100% are the fourth team in West London and they've resigned themselves to that as well. <laughs> now that is that's one, some revelation, isn't it? A stat, we're, we're second because obviously Chelsea are, are, you know, they've been in the Premiership the, the whole of that time. If you if you take an average of our, our finishing places, we, we've 
we've we've out finished both Fulham and QPR. For uh, over, over, obviously, this is a sample size. You know, what I'm saying this sample size has got to be four years as opposed oh, yeah, to the no, last twenty. No, of course, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll be we'll be selective in our history, like <laughs> like, like like they are in theirs, you know. So you know, history history is about going forward as well as looking back. Yes. You know, it's uh, future history does come into this. So um, yeah, I, I'm not going to actually rub salt into the wounds because we were sat in the pub until quite late on Saturday with with some QPR fans. There was the you know the brother of one of our crew. He's you know it's, it's a proper West London family. Half of them support Brentford, half of them support QPR. So it was it was about manners and. But we, we did talk quite honestly and openly, and he was kind of saying, you know, it was fully deserved. And for the last three or four meetings, apart from the 3-0 game at Loftus Road, we fully deserved. Um, and, and he's kind of resigned himself to be on the sort of like the backward trajectory. And really, you know, I think that's, you know, if you, if you cut away all the bravado and all that kind of like... Um, you know, we're better than you. If you let the if you let the facts and you let the results do the talking, you know we, we're clearly we're clearly a, a, a more potent team than QPR now. And you know, Saturday underlined it. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's exactly right. Um, but also, if you look at our results against Fulham in the past four seasons, we've we've done uh, we've done them over as well. I mean, yes, they've had two two good finishes in the past two seasons, but the first two seasons in Championship. We had better finishes, and as they've said, if you actually average those placings out, we we are above them. But yeah, I mean, Fulham have got got some money. They're putting some big money into this season, and uh, you know, I, I you know, they're they're going to do something. They're going to be in the playoffs or go up automatically. But um, I think next season things could change if they don't go up. I think things could change. I mean, again, and we talked about this very briefly, but Derby, Derby, Fulham. Have spent a lot of money last season. You know, like I said, to you, thirty million pounds that they spent, um, uh, th- thirty million pounds in the red. I think they were last season as well. We were, I think, a million pounds in the red. They were like thirty million pounds in the red. They've spent a lot of money trying to build themselves and get themselves into the best position. This year, obviously, the accounts won't be printed until next year. But they've spent even more money than that. You know, Mitrovic has come in. Apparently, he's on thirty grand, or they're paying thirty grand off his sixty grand Newcastle wage for a start a week. This is something we can't even go there. So they've gone, as we call it, shit or bust for the Premier League. They need to get to the Premier League this season. There's a three-year gap. People don't know FFP does matter. Okay, but you can actually basically kind of go a little bit mad for two or three years and hope you can get the Premier League, have a gamble. You won't get penalised after your first year, your second year. Apparently you get penalised over a three-year period and you're going to spend a particular amount of money. I think it's maybe £45 in the red over three years. I think it is something like that. Um, You should check it out, but something like that. And so Fulham, I've gone, listen, tell you something, we'll go for it. And obviously if we don't go up, they'll have to take the fine. Or they might get penalised... I think if they don't go up, they'll sell Cessignon and Kearney for loads of money, and they'll, you know, they'll they'll come in as part of the FFP, you know, they'll balance out. But it'll be their last. This is their last chance to really go for it. Okay, so yeah, so that's the, that's, that's the score. So you know, moving forward, so you know, Fulham Fulham are there, but QPR, like I said to you, um, it, it's quite interesting because the, the pressure the pressure is off to a certain extent until next season again if we play again um, when we play each other. Yeah, I think so. I think the thing that's really sad about the QPR situation is like we were talking to so many fans who seem so like unexcited by the kind of football that they're playing. They don't see that changing with the people they've got and their financial situation means that what's going to happen in terms of that change of personnel? Like, Are they really going to be able to bring exciting players in? Probably not. So does that mean that they're stuck? 
probably. Does that mean that when we meet next season, if we meet next season, we can do the same again? Yes. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, when we were chatting about this a little bit before, because you know they've spent loads of money and they're financially in a massive pickle QPR. So there's a lot of shedding the ship. They've been trying to get rid of players who are on huge, huge, huge wages. Um, and there's an argument to say that that Ollie, who's come in, who's um, Holloway. He's come in because he's been able to steady the ship, bring in players. I mean, some of the fans turn around and say, actually, to be quite honest with you, he's, he's done all right because of what he's got. He's, he's not had much to play with. He hasn't, you know, hasn't been like Harry Redknapp, who's come in and spent shed loads of money. And they seem that they're not being able to bring in another manager, even though the rumour was out. We heard it about a couple of months ago, which we heard that there's a potential that Mark Warburton might be going there. We heard that through one of our tertiary sources, not a primary source, but a tertiary source. You know, Irish tertiary, tertiary. He said the tertiary tickets. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we heard one of our tertiary sources. So we're not giving it too much, but it did come from somebody quite close to the to the Warburton camp, as we say. So whether or not this is true or not, we shall see in the summer. But that'll be interesting interesting because if he does go he won't have the usual amount of money that he is normally allowed to play with in other places like Rangers and Nottingham Forest for a period of time anyway but I mean last thoughts on QPR um, um, for team in West London I mean we kind of want to play them next season don't we yeah of course we do I mean assuming that we're not going to be in a level above well, this is what I'm saying yeah no yeah no yeah no I mean we Let's carry on being realists, you know. If we're, if we're being honest and we're, we're saying, you know, if we're tipping our hats, uh, you know, to QPR and our West, West, West London brethren, or our cousins at least, you know, we've got to say, of course we want to. We, we, I like this. I, I like the, the two West London derbies. I think, it's, I think it's good. It's clearly good for West London. You know, Chelsea are out there. You know, they're spending billions where we're spending millions. You know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's good fun. It is good fun. You know, it, the... the I've I got a hope that Fulham don't go up, um, clearly. And that's, that's the part of the season where it's got a little bit complicated for me. I'm, I'm wishing for too many things. I'm, I'm wanting Brentford to get into the playoffs. I'm, I'm wanting Fulham to fuck up. And I'm wanting Birmingham to go down. And it, it's got a little bit too complicated now. And, and really, I, I'm getting a bit disappointed because it looks like Fulham might go up and it looks like Birmingham might escape. And it looks like we may not get in the playoffs. But if I strip away the kind of like the, the those guilty wishes, that I, I just think that Brentford being like the season still being alive with two games to go is all that really matters. And and I, I go to Barnsley on Saturday, thinking or justifiably thinking that we can get a win. And probably it might go to the last, or possibly it could go to the last game of the season where something's possible. I still, in my heart of hearts, don't think it will, but just to be so close to the end of the season and it still be alive is just amazing. Ian Holloway, we have a lot of fun and time with Ian Holloway. He does make us laugh. He comes out with some nonsense, it has to be said. But also, you know, there's other things about Ian Holloway is that he is a bit of a character and also... Um, He's probably actually quite a decent bloke. And uh, on Saturday we found out, you know, that his actually, uh, that one of his relatives had died. I think it was his father had died. His mother had died, actually, a couple of days beforehand. But he carried on with his job and um, the Brentford team came in condolences. We gave him condolences. And at the end of the day, it's like we said to you, it's, football is football. But, you know, family is family. And, uh, you know, you've got to tip your hat to him. 
and uh, he turned around and said Brentford were just you know they were marvellous and they, they were very respectful to me and the uh, <laughs> day I mean, I mean it's almost like we love Holloway because he just come up with some absolute nonsense and garbage but it's almost like one of these things that is he doing it just for the media does he just say tell you something I'm not going to think about what I say I'm just going to say it and because that's what I feel and then you could take that and do whatever you want with it but if you sat with him, we sat with him and had probably a drink with him inside the pub here, we probably actually think, yeah, actually, you're, you're probably quite a good bloke. Yeah, and no, fo- football would certainly be um, a lesser, a lesser commodity with, without characters like him. But yeah, you know, obviously, I, I wrote the article last week that pretty lambasted him for saying that he was resting players, and you know, basically, it was his cup final. But you know, he, he, he's brilliant for for copy, you know, and you know, I'll always, I will always remember the the season he took Blackpool up to the Prem and they played brilliant football they won at Liverpool and they played them off the park and stuff like that so yeah he's a he's a bit of a pantomime clown but um, you know yeah the the circus or the footballing village would be lesser without him indeed Kate the Holloway are you what's your vibe I, I, I agree with Laney. It's important to have characters like that in football. And he is the gift that keeps on giving. And it, we talk about him. We talk about what he says. We talk about his opinions. And you can't really, you know, can't really argue with that, can you? He's achieving what he's setting out to. Well, as, a, as a manager? I mean, he doesn't play the prettiest football. But, you know, if, if that's what he's doing, like steadying the QPR ship, then fair play. I mean, they've, they've, beaten, some, they've beaten some teams this season. Because the, the rumour was, I mean, that he was on the shortlist, I think, when, I think it was when Uwe Rosler um, quit and uh, Mark Warburton was going around and he's trying to find new managers. I'm, I'm not saying this, I don't know this for definite because the names weren't, weren't, weren't circulating, but all I know is there were some heavy hitters and there was, there were some people who were out of a job, I think, at the time and they'd all applied and, you know, I think he must have been prime candidate and he, I didn't get the job or maybe he didn't get the job a couple of times and maybe I thought maybe that's the reason why he's probably quite angry about Brentford. So he potentially could have been Brentford manager. Would that have made you happy? I don't know, his suit on uh, Saturday made me quite happy. I thought, I was like, that's quite a dapper outfit he's got on. So maybe if he brought a little fashion to the touchline, what's, uh, what's not to like? <laughs> Savvy B? Yeah, um, I, I, I actually like Holloway. I think he's a, he's a decent bloke. I think he's an honest bloke. Um, I think he's basically QPR's version of Martin Allen. Uh, you know, he's nutty, he's a character, he says stuff. And there's a kind of, there's kind of honesty that I like. There isn't all this sort of bullshit, oh, I never saw that, I never did, you know, this happened. And, you know, he, he, just, he just sort of says it as it is. And I think that sort of character and honesty is good in football. And I think, I think his problem with Brentford probably isn't the manager, managerial role. It's the fact that he, as a player, he was a Brentford reject. Oh yeah, of course. Hello, hello, Brentford reject. But listen, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about what's happening over the next two weeks. We've got a bit of an interesting run-in. So do the teams around us. So we're going to sit around the table here and we're going to discuss our run-in and we're going to say whether or not we think Brentford are going to hit the heady heights of the playoffs or are we just going to go and cut it a little bit short after this twang. So two games to go. And we got the run-in, and I'm sitting around here in the Drayton Court Hotel with my friends. There's me, Billy the Bean, I'm David Lane Lane. Hello. Laney Lane, and we've got Savvy B, and we've got Katie B as well. Debut Katie B. We love a good old debut at the end of the season, don't we? But listen, we've got the run-in. B's running, we've got all our teams around us. And uh, everyone was really jubilant until, what, 
10 to 10 last night when uh, Derby County, who were 1 0 down to Cardiff, which meant that Fulham were in trouble, and we were looking very, very happy. And then all of a sudden, three goals by Derby in the second half. I didn't see the game, but apparently, Cardiff, we were saying, why could they not have defended like that against us? Because apparently, they were absolutely awful. So they won 3 1, Derby County did, which has put things, turned it on its head a little bit. And it's probably made playoffs for us look a little bit doubtful, but then you just never, ever know. And the reason why I say that, one has to just cast your mind back to, is it three seasons ago? Four, four, is it four seasons ago? It's, four seasons, it's the fourth season now in this division, so I think it's four seasons ago. The Warburton season, which is 2013-2014, I think it is, or 2014-15. So 2015, so it's three seasons ago, three years ago, where Brentford... And exactly at this time, we were in 44th, well, we're in 7th place, we're in 44th place, that would be very interesting. We were in 7th place with um, 44 games, we had 72 points. Ipswich Town are ahead of us, 44 games had 75 points, so 3 points ahead of us. And Derby County were in 5th place also with 75 points. So we had, the, uh, we had us three, um, Dar- no, Derby County were actually on 76 points, so we were on 72, Derby on 76 in 5th place. And two games later... We ended up in fifth place. Ipswich ended up in sixth place, and Derby ended up in seventh place. So, and uh, they never expected that to happen at all. Oh, eighth place actually. Wolves are seventh as well. Yeah, Wolves who are below us. So, you know, we're just recreating that one. So this season now, we like we said, we have the scenario where Brentford, eighth place with 68 points, Millwall in seventh place on 69 points, and Derby on sixth place with 71 points. It's going to be tough. And we're going to talk through the run-through in a minute. But you just never know what's happened. I know a lot of people are despondent, but don't forget, people, we were never, ever expected to be here. After the start to our season, you know, in January, people are like, you know, we're booking holidays, we're going away. I've heard some people, they've booked to go to China and all sorts, you know, for the playoffs. And there's all sorts of tears taking place just in case things uh, go uppity-duppity-dick. But playoffs, potentially. I mean, I've got all the guys around the table and they've been looking at their particular teams and uh, I'm just going to go around the table here and I'm going to ask you exactly where let me see first of all Derby County KEB Derby County now this is the team where we needed them to screw up yesterday they didn't quite screw up Um, however it could still go our way in the next couple of days just tell us what you know about Derby County and how do you think they'll fare well, so Derby County have just made it a bit more interesting, shall we say, thinking positively. Um, their final two games are both quite tasty, I think. Um, so they've got Villa away on Saturday, um, which will be a bit of a challenge. Uh, bookies are back in Villa to win. They're not back in Derby to win. Um, but Derby beat Villa 2-0 in the reverse picture. Do you know the odds? 66 to 67 oh, wow. on Villa. Evens, yeah. yeah, yeah, virtually evens, virtually evens. And then on the final day of the season, uh, Derby are playing Barnsley at home. But that, again, will be quite a tasty fixture because it looks like Barnsley will be needing that to go their way. So they'll be up for it. You're presuming that Barnsley uh, don't be riveting? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice to Barnsley. I feel a bit bad. <laughs> so, so, so I mean, Cardiff, I mean, so who are we looking for? Who do we have to look out for? What's their form looking like, you know? Well, Derby, Derby, Derby. Um, well, Derby, Derby's form is, like, really weird, like, quite fundamentally weird. So they beat Cardiff last night, but then they lost the previous three. So they lost to Middlesbrough, they lost to Wolves. All right, that maybe makes sense. But they also lost to Burton. 
so they've got some weird results. And they recently got beaten by Sunderland 4-1, also a slightly odd result. So I think pretty inconsistent. Okay, so if they've got if they've got the inconsistency, I mean, isn't it better to get it out of the way and then go on a bit of a run later as you go into the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm not sure that's how Derby County fans are really feeling. You know that they really believe that's going to happen. And what's the feeling amongst the Derby fans? Well, they are quite excited about this recent change in formation that Rowett's got them got them doing. So they've spent most of the season playing 4-2-3-1, but for the past few games they've changed to three centre-backs. And apparently uh, there's some excitement about how this makes them a bit more unpredictable on these last few games. So like Villa and Barnsley don't quite know what to expect because they've got this they've got this new thing happening and it seems to work with the people they've got as well. So Derby fans seem pleased. I mean, obviously it worked against Cardiff, but I mean they're a pretty unpredictable against Burton because they bloody lost to them a few weeks ago, yeah. and that was the old formation. So, uh, anything else about Derby County or anything that we should be looking at? Well, um, they've got some uh, obviously pretty exciting players like Mache uh, Vidra, Championships top scorer, scored uh, 20 out of 65 goals for Derby this season, uh, and looked pretty good last night. Although Cameron Jerome was uh, the man them uh, two shots on goal two goals it's a pretty impressive record pretty impressive game for them in that moment so yeah Cameron Jerome he annoys me actually when he was at Norwich he used to always upset us didn't he <laughs> but yeah so it's good well cheers thanks for that on Derby County so like I said to you Derby County on 72 points which is um, four points above Brentford at the moment now so I mean and, and like I said to you their next games as well Derby um, they've got Villa away Saturday and they've got Barnsley at home the week afterwards so you know for us you know what do we what do we what, what, what do we need Delaney I just have to say about Derby last night that all three of their goals was due to absolutely shocking defending it, it really was it, every, you mean Cardiff Sorry, Cardiff. Yeah, each each one of each one of those goals could could have been avoided if someone had just either knocked it out for a corner, knocked it into Rosette. They probably would have got a clean sheet, but uh, that's that's the way it is, unfortunately. It is, and just to let people know as well, I mean, if we win both our matches, we're apparently fifty percent chance for playoffs at the moment. Now we win both our matches, we're on seventy-two points. But what will have to happen is Borough. Right, um, what will happen is two out of these three needs to happen. Borough need to win one out of two of these matches. Derby win one out of two of the matches. Millwall win two out of two of the matches. And if two of those things happen, then it's all over for the, for the Bees. Uh, Savvy B? Yeah, no, I think uh, because of the goal difference, if Borough get two draws and Derby get two draws, they'll see them ahead of us. It won't necessarily see them up because there's still Millwall in that equation, but they'll knock us out. Again, sorry, this is things have moved. Things have moved even further. Katie B. Well, I was just going to say the thing that we want to worry about with Derby is that they have a Ryan Woods thread on their fan, on their on their like on their version of the Griffin Park grapevine, uh, and they describe him as an absolute must in terms of their transfers at the end of this season. But they, I mean, they always talk about trying to nick, nick our players every season, and we'll we'll see how that goes. Anyway, um, so listen. So we're talking about um, uh, Derby County in uh, in sixth place, um, Millwall in seventh place. We'll come back to Millwall as well because Millwall are the sort of um, Millwall are sort of the sort of 
the, the, the dodgy team, the team in the middle where it can go one way or the other. And maybe we'll have a discussion about Millwall afterwards because they're on 69 points, which is one point ahead of Brentford, who are on 68 points. After that is P&E on 67 points. And now these are the teams who are like... They need to really kind of pull it out the bag. And uh, for me, I was just having a little sniff around the Preston North End to see what's going on now. It's interesting with the odds. Preston are actually 20 to 1 to get into the playoffs um, and 80 to 1 to win the playoffs. So it gives you an idea of kind of what the money is flying around there. And they're sort of thinking that they're very much an outside chance. The next matches, they've got Sheffield United away. And for Sheffield United away, now for that match there, they're 65 it's the home win, so it's you know um, six to five for Sheffield United to win, nine to four for Preston to win. So it's like it's over two to one and twelve to five for draw. So they're looking at Sheffield United taking that game. Then, then after that, they've got Burton at home. So this game is key for us because uh, you know whether or not they're going to catch us up. Obviously, we need to win. If we win our game, they're still behind us as well. Interesting to look at the because like the stats for for Preston North End to see how they play. Remember when they came down to us. We had a moan because we thought that they were pretty physical, pretty, pretty cynical side. You know, Alex Neil, fair enough. He's, he's done the job and he's got the players and they've done whatever they need to do. But we thought they were pretty cynical. But then afterwards, I think I can't remember who it was. I think it might be Fulham who said that I had a chat with them and said, oh, my God, we played Preston the other day. They're a proper dirty side. They were. They just went out and they just did one thing and they stopped us from playing and they got the result. So fair play. They understand to do it. So. 1.2 goals per game, 51% possession, 70% pass accuracy, 13 shots per game, 17 tackles per game, 8, eight dribbles, 102 yellows and 4 reds. Um, if you want to sort of compare that to Brentford and where we are is that we, 1.24 goals per game, we've got 55% possession, we're like nearly 80% pass accuracy, so we're like playing with the ball around there, they're getting out there as well. 18 shots per game, you know what I'm saying, as opposed to, to Preston, who have got 13 shots per game. You know, it only sounds like four or five out, but we're talking about an average per game, you know. Um, 13.7 tackles per game, where they've got, you know, 17 tackles per game, so they're a hard tackling team. Let's not forget old Sean Maguire's challenge on Nico Unaris up at Deepdale when he knocked him out. I was in the game at, at, at Preston, you know. So they've been physical against Brentford all season. You know, Nico, probably his ears are still ringing. Indeed, they have. So I mean, basically, you can see the type of playing that Preston are playing. Um, getting the views from the fans, you know, be talking to, you know. Uh, to, 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 to the fans up there and, and, and uh, it's interesting first thing is there's a rumour flowing around that Alex Neal is going to be going off to Rangers at the end of this season as well whether or not that's going to be true or not we don't know but they're saying obviously he's from Scotland and uh, he's uh, that could be a gig that would really really that he might really fancy so maybe he might be leaving but um, the fans are thinking if they beat Norwich you know they'd been well and truly in the mix you know they've taken another thousand to Sheffield this week but there's too many permutations that they think it's a very small chance um, they don't think the honesty is that they're clinical enough at this side of the season they've lost their, their, their clinical edge their cutting edge and uh, even if they got into the playoffs which I don't think they will do they, don't, they won't win it um, basically it's like getting the six points they don't actually think they're going to get the six points they don't think they're going to beat Sheffield and, uh, and, and win their last match as well so listen anything can happen and we don't know but from what we can gather and the vibe that they get and also their form Preston seem to be on the, the outside of actually doing what they're doing. As long as we win our next game, we don't have to worry about them as much. Listen, so we've, we've done that. We talked about the Preston lot, which is, uh, like I said to you, there are a few points a point behind us on 67 points. We've got Bristol City and Laney. What is your verdict on the city? 
Well, my verdict on Bristol City was pretty much summed up by last Saturday's result. Um, Bristol City 5, Hull City 5. Um, it shows you really that they're capable of anything. They're obviously, they're obviously a, a, a very, um, very attack-minded team. You know, from from the season they've had, they've up, they've kind of like they've really kind of impressed the division. They've upset a lot of the form books to to be in contention for promotion for a lot of this year. They got to the semi-final of the League Cup where they took, you know, they beat Man United um, and they took Man City to two two very kind of close games really. Uh, so so Lee Johnson's team have really overachieved this season, but. It's what these last couple of games are, are, are capable of for them. I've got a feeling that really the vibe is the wheels have come off since they went out of the League Cup. Um, on their on their day, they're able to they're kind of able to beat anyone. But as we saw at Ashton Gate, they're 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 pretty average. You know, we 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 took them to the cleaners. Really, we we should have run up way more than the one goal um, victory that we, that we achieved. So. I'm I'm saying that you know they got Forest away this Saturday, so Forest have just just beaten um, beaten uh, Barnsley, and then on the final day of the season they're at home to Sheffield United. Sheffield United could be in with a shout. It then depends who wants it the most, but pretty much you know Bristol City have won one in six games, so that that paints its own picture. If you if you flip that to the way how we're performing. They're not going into these last two games with any kind of form, any any kind of momentum. So, I, w- I would say, I'm here to be proved wrong, but you know, I, I would say that they're, they're, they're you know they're, they're, the horse has been the horse has bolted there. Um, Savvy B, I mean, we've done Bristol City, like I said to you, who are who are proper contenders. They they confused the facts and. Like last season, they were actually um, pinpointed to be fair by our stats team as a team to look out for. Whereas uh, Reading and Leeds United, who are a team who are right up there, they said actually forget about these lot because they're, they're actually higher than they should be. So Bristol City have done what they've had to do, but it looks like they've either run out of steam or they've probably played too many games with the cut run, so maybe it's the, the cut run's killed them. And so maybe Brentford's ploy of getting knocked out of the cup in the first round is, is a good one. Um, Sheffield United, another team who... Uh, uh, the, the confounded the plaudits, uh, the, the, the pundits out there. You know, they came straight in and they had a great start to the season. And once you've got momentum, they kept going. They were right up there. I think they were even top of the league at one stage this season. Um, fantastic, brilliant. We know what momentum does as well. We had exactly the same thing with our season. We had the momentum. We've gone up there. The problem that you have with momentum is that if you drop off, but you have some half decent players, the the vultures come in. They steal those players, and then you need to you need to come and get some new players. And if that doesn't quite happen, and they don't form, you get another season which might struggle a little bit. Savvy B, Sheffield United. Yeah, it's interesting what uh, Lady said about um, one win in uh, six games for Bristol City. It's exactly the same for Sheffield United. Um, six games ago, uh, they played us and drew, as you, as you recall. Uh, but since then, they've had three home games. They've drawn with Cardiff and Millwall. And they've beaten Borough, which is pretty decent. Uh, but away from home, they've lost to Barnsley and Birmingham, which isn't decent at all. So, again, you know, that's still one win out of six games. Uh, but three draws against three good teams. But losing to two crappy teams is, uh, is not very good. Um, but, I mean, it's interesting because the, the last time they played with a 3-5-2 with Leon Clark and Billy Sharp up front was against us. Since then, they've been going for a 3-5-1-1 playing Leon Clark up front and uh, dropping Billy Clark to the, the bench. 
So that's been quite interesting. Uh, I'm not sure why they do that, because I think Billy Clark's a, a decent player and the kind of player that scores goals. Um, but uh, the, the rest of the team rarely changes. They play three at the back, five across the middle, and that, that, you know, those players pretty much don't change at all. Um, they've got two games to come. Uh, they're home to Preston. Um, Billy, Billy's told you the odds of that from the Preston point of view. It's obviously exactly the same as Sheffield United, but the other way around. So uh, they are uh, six to five to win, uh, and because their their home their home form is actually quite decent, their away form isn't. So and they're away to Bristol City. So I think what they're expecting is probably to to beat Preston, but to lose to Bristol City. But I think their their form isn't great, and I think to get two wins, which is what they need, uh, they they're not actually expecting it. Their fans really do believe that the loss against Birmingham last Saturday was it. If, you know, if they'd won that, then it'd be right in the hunt. But w- without that, they've, they've really blown it. So, so, And if you look at their form over a longer period of time, the last 27 games, they've just netted 30 points, which is pretty rubbish, really. That's almost, you know, sort of a staving off relegation type of form. So... So they're not being very good. They had a brilliant start to the season, absolutely fantastic. As, as Billy says, they were at the top, you know, until um, until Wolves came and took them in about sort of November. They were doing really, really well, but they've dropped off really badly since then. And but you know, at the end of the season, they're going to look at where they are. And they're going to say, look, top ten, we're happy. You know, what, what a great what a great season. But um, you know, and the head of Sheffield Wednesday, of course. So this um, this all plays into my um, my other trademark sound bite is that it's a nine month season. So it's, it's it's okay, like you know, getting off at uh, you know ninety miles an hour and getting to the top of the division, but you need to be consistent week in week out, don't you? So it's it's, it's the average over a season, and this is this is why we're two games to go and, and still in the hunt. You know, it's not about over a five or six game period. It's about it's, it's nine months, and if you forget that and you, you you start worrying about things that really aren't important, really, it's it's literally. It's not over till it's over, and it ain't over. I mean, it's a lot easier to be top of the league in October than it is to be top of the league in April. I mean, it's a massive, massive difference. You only need a few decent wins, you know, and you find yourself top of the league. But if you look at what we've done, one win in the first 11 games, uh, you know, and we, so our form since then has been really, really stupendous. So we've actually got a really good consistency going. If we could have spread that over the year, we'd be right up there. And we're going to talk about um, Millwall because Millwall is the pivotal team here. Because what happens with Millwall if Millwall capitulate, you know, it opens up a whole load of our next set of doors for everybody else there. We'll talk about them in a minute, but I just want to talk about current form because you talked about current form as well, which is interesting because the current form table. Sometimes you're looking at something you don't. You're looking at six games as well. The first three home and three away. So top of Wolverhampton Wanderers, they've gone. Yeah, fair enough. Fulham are second in the current form table as well. Um, six um, Fulham with 16 points second but third are Brentford in the current form table as well you know with, with 14 points as well you know we've won two at home and two away so it's interesting so we won four of our you know last six games as well we draws Aston Villa our next Sheffield Wednesday interesting next to Millwall or six so Millwall are still they're not bad they, they lost about Fulham but they're, 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 they're competing they're still up there and they can always turn it around 
You've got Middlesbrough, Birmingham, Hull City are up there as well, who were ninth in the, in the, in the current form, which you think, that's good. But then you look about it, they've, they've won one at home and they've won one away. So, you know, that's kind of good, but they've won a couple of games, they've lost a couple and they've drawn a couple as well. But going down to the bottom of the current form, you look at Bolton Wanderers, you talk at Ipswich, teams that you're look, desperately looking <laughs> to take points of our rivals, Ipswich Town, who are playing... At the moment as well, Ipswich are playing. Who are they? Ipswich are playing. They're playing Borough as well. So Ipswich are literally bottom of the second bottom of the current form. They've got four points, but you know. And then we have got Norwich City, Barnsley. You know, Barnsley as well. You know, they're woeful at the moment now. Like you know, um, bottom fourth bottom of the current form league as well. So what I'm saying is that you're looking at it. We're hopeful, but if anything's going to happen, I think it's going to be slightly unnatural you know what I'm saying and it's going to be one of those freaky things where it's coming towards the end of the season probably like it was a couple of seasons ago where we played the last game of the season against Wigan we had no idea this was going to happen even though we drew with them we thought it was going to be all over but everyone else fluffed it and we just kind of walked through the door Laney yeah, unfortunately, we've been we've been sucked into this trap, haven't we? It's like we, we try to keep football out of football as much as we possibly can, but we've allowed football to, to get back involved in football again. And um, normally, like we're just like not worried about results. It's all over now. It's like you know we're we're on our holidays. We're just going down the going down the pub before watch watch yeah watch yeah. Barnsley was a bit of a jolly going down the pub having a couple of pints. Talking about where we're going on holiday during the game, not really caring about too much what the result is, and then going back down the pub afterwards. Unfortunately, football has actually reared its ugly head again in football, and we're we're talking about football again. And uh, you know, it, it, it matters. The last two games, anything could happen. Paid to that on Saturday. No, no, that's not true. Listen, let's come back and let's talk about Millwall because Millwall is the pivotal game. Isn't it? Listen, out, it's out of our hands, but Millwall have got, like I said, they've got two games left. They've got a game against Borough, which they've got the advantage because they're playing at 5.30, I think it was, or 5.15 on Saturday. So after all the results have been had, you know, they can actually, you know, they can actually, you know, they, they can actually go um, tactical, Millwall. You know, because if the results, they go their way, they might decide to change their team and go ultra-defensive and not letting any goals, maybe, because all they need is a draw. So they've got a massive advantage, cheers, guy, you know, on that. But listen, that's the way it goes, and we'll have to deal with it. On the following week, they've got Villa at home as well, which, you know, it's not going to be the easiest game for them. We saw how um, Birmingham City or um, Fulham came down there, and they destroyed them on their own patch, even though it was absolutely like a cauldronous down at um, the Den last Friday night when uh, Fulham came down there. But Millwall. Um, like I said to you, they 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 they've eleven to twelve, eleven to two, to make playoffs. So uh, they're like I said, eleven to two to make playoffs, which is interesting because compare that to Brentford, we're seven to one to make playoffs. So again, of course, they've got a point above us, so they're just slightly more. You, you notice Sky have um, obviously made Fulham their favourites for promotion because in that they're 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 on on TV again on Friday. They got Sunderland Friday night. They're on TV. They were at Millwall. Um, last Friday and they were obviously the TV game for Brentford the previous Saturday so Sky seem to have put their 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 pennies into Fulham going up so are, are they are they wrong? Well, I mean going back to it and again looking at the odds you know Borough are 1-20 to to make the playoffs so basically they said they're in there 11-4 to to win the playoffs Villa they're not even talking about them being in there because I think they're to win 3-1 to Fulham are 4-5 to to make the playoffs so it's a bit of a weird one because they're basically saying are you going to be, you know, are, are you going to win? Are you going to get automatic or are you going to be in the playoffs? So you could put money on them actually being in the playoffs and three to one to win it. So they're giving them good odds. Cardiff 
evens um, uh, uh, playoffs 11 to 2 to win it Derby are 2 to 9 to make the playoffs which is quite interesting yeah they're so and 6 to, and 6 to 1 Millwall 11 to 2 to, to make the playoffs and 25s to win it Brentford are 7 to 1 to make the playoffs and 28s to win it Pioneer 20 to 1 to make the playoffs and 80 to win it Bristol City there's not even any odds for them um, I don't think there is oh, I didn't see any and Sheffield United as well uh, I don't think I saw any odds for them. I think they're 150 to win it which is quite strange but there's no odds for them to make it surely it's, worth, surely it's worth putting money on Fulham to be in the playoffs if, 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 it, if it's that you know if you put if you put 20 if you put 20 quid on Fulham to be in the playoffs you're going to get 37 back is that right? no no, no it's 4 to 5 so you know what I'm saying so no no but anyway listen yeah anyway but, but listen we should move on I'm just saying to you so this is yeah so this is this is this is where we're this is where we're at the moment but Millwall just coming back to Millwall like we said to you there this is the key game these are the key games for us Saturday's a key game for us the feeling I said to you on the streets with the Millwall fans is that um, the run-in is very tough they said Borough Way is not going to be easy but at least they kick off late so we know what's required the big chance was last Friday night they absolutely threw everything for it in that manic first half the noise was nothing like they've ever seen at, um, like since Colblow Lane so they said that the atmosphere was like the old Colblow Lane um, they survived first in the second half they got pulled apart the better team won Derby winning last night means the odds are against them, but the pressure is off, so no one expects anything. Um, and that's when they're most threatening. You know what Mill was like, you know, we don't care. When the back's against the wall, we'll do it. So that's the dangerous thing. They said they, they don't fear anyone, but they're not confident. But at the end of the day, it's about consolidation. And this player's a very pleasant surprise. The gut reaction says no, but the heart is saying they're great days. And you never know when they'll come back. So they're like they've got a bit of an attitude, like you know, probably like we had a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, Mill have got a tradition of actually um, up, really upsetting the odds. You know, they played in the FA Cup final. They've got to FA Cup semi final since then. They played in the top flight. You know, they're right a mafia peril, I'd say. You know, they, they play ugly football, but you know they come out of the traps. They score early goals. They they've got they've got their they've got their kind of like strategies right. Um, Neil Harris is 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 a is a is a decent manager at this level. I think uh, their last game against Villa is on paper a really really tough one, but uh, I think Villa will be um, they'll, they'll be out of automatic promotion by then, and I think they'll probably just rest a, a lot of players for the playoffs because they'll they'll you know, definitely in the playoffs, and I think they'll might they might just take a rest, and that could allow uh, Millwall win. What a season Millwall have had, though. Like, what a, what a kind of crazy acceleration in the second half of this season. And after that Millwall game, chatting to Millwall fans down the pub, just, like, how pleased they were at seeing their team, like, drive forward in the way they have was, like, really nice to see. And that atmosphere at the Den on the day we played them was pretty mad, so I can only imagine what it would be like, you know, for this, these last games. I'm sure you'll agree with me, Bill, but they're a proper football club. <laughs> we're still trying to work out what proper football club is but I think we just put that into the proper football club box but just the borough just to let you know the borough away game on Saturday for, for Millwall they're 19 to 20 for borough to win 3 to 1 for Millwall to win that so the bookies are saying not sure about that one and 12 to 5 for a draw as well so Borough are looking quite heavily favoured by the bookies and it's interesting to see and I know I like to go into a little bit of stats you know the stats for the game as you look about it it's like you know Millwall 1.3 shots per game if you look at Brentford it's 1.4 shots per game 
32% possession as well. Um, you know, that's 74%. So basically, they don't hold the ball very much, but they do get it up very, very quickly. Like I said to you, ours is 55%, and also pass accuracy 62%, 13 shots per game, you know, 18 tackles per game. So basically, Millwall, if you look at the way that they play their football, it should not work, but they're obviously very good at what they do, and when they get the ball in front of the goal, they put the ball in the back of the net. So um, it's going to be an interesting one on Saturday. And uh, at, by five o'clock on Saturday, all these stats will be out the window. All these figures, all these odds will be out the window because we know exactly where we need to be. You, you sound, you've been sounding like the old Brentford John McCrurick for the last yes. couple of minutes. That's right, mate. But it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Can I just say that I made an error earlier. I didn't realise that Derby won 71 points, not 72. So uh, Derby do need a win. Go see. I mean, I didn't want to correct him on air because it would have been manners if I actually showed up my my buddy out there. You know what I'm saying? You know. So we were going to we were going to talk about that off air. But listen, that was the running. We know what we need to do. Simple. We go to Barnsley and we win on Saturday. After this little break, we're going to talk Barnsley amongst ourselves and with some people from up north in Barnsley. So Saturday, big game, Barnsley. Absolutely teething tremendous, as we say. Fans are so excited. We've got coaches, free coaches. They're all sold out. So they're going to be going up the motorway. We're on the train. We're going to be going up on the train tracks up to Barnsley as well. Nice and early. We're going to be going up there. We're going to be getting ourselves very excited and making a lot of noise. We're going to be talking about the Barnsley game in just a minute. But before we go to Barnsley, as you know, we like to get up there a little bit early because we've got the besotted alternative guide to whichever game we're going to. And this time we've got the alternative guide to Barnsley. We've been looking around to see which places you Beast fans if you get up there early you would like to go and check out before you go to the match Katie B well actually I'm going to go to this particular place on Saturday night rather than before the game because I am going to Wigfield Farm Ooh, yeah exactly so it's a mere 10 minute drive from the Oakwell Stadium and if you ring them in advance and you pay them the grand amount, grand. the grand amount, the, <laughs> I mean, it's probably still worth it for a grand, but if you pay them the grand amount of £25, meerkats will climb all over you. Oh dear, that sounds actually, actually sounds, well, something. I've, I've, I've seen some YouTube videos where well, yeah, we could go on about that, but listen, maybe, maybe we'll all pile up there with you on Saturday, on the, and, and stay up there on the Saturday night as well, um, and for myself, I found somewhere where it sounds really quite brilliant, <laughs> the Pothouse Hamlet, if anyone wants to join me in the Pothouse Hamlet, the Pothouse Hamlet is a little hamlet apparently, and uh, apparently it's, it's a <laughs> so pop. Um, and, and most people seem to be uh, very happy to go there. I mean, somebody says, I, was a, I found an amazing boutique and the staff were fantastic. We bought loads, reasonably priced. Shame about the droll drunk outside. <laughs> the last time I was at the Pothouse Hamlet, I didn't realise anyone noticed I was there. Um, other than that, um, some people don't deserve to be overly happy. It was disappointing to find an arrival that wasn't really clear where to go. Immediate impression of a failing attraction. We tried the garden centre. Lots of corners needed tidying up the shop that had plants for sale, you know. There's a sign near the old barn that explained the place is a trust. I had a quick look around the clothes shop. It looked a little dull. So, uh, 
maybe the Pothouse Hamlet isn't the best place to go, but I'm going to go there to see if I can give them a little bit of support because they obviously need a little bit of help. Laney? That'd be funny, man. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Silkstone if you, if you need to go there. A- anywhere that it describes it as dull, it's, it's got, it's, I'm, I'm halfway there, mate. I'm talking of which, I'm, I'm going to the National Coal Mining Museum which is in Cap House Colliery in Overton, which is not, it's not far. It's a great place to get filthy, apparently. Um, it's, it features Scargill's Cafe, um, which is um, where, where, where you can get into a heated argument with any member of your family. Um, there's the Police Horse Challenge ride, where you can get your youngest child um, to, to slalom through a um, battle scene of baton-charging police horses. That's, that's good. And then um, the Ghost Town, Ghost Town ride. Um, it's a fun bus that races through um, a previously thriving community. Um, and then uh, um, you have to avoid the junkies and the, um, the joyriding, joyriding idiots. Okay, fair enough. It sounds uh, interesting, um, coal mining. As we know, Barnsley was uh, traditionally a coal mining community and then they closed the mines down and, uh, and, 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 and things have happened, like I said to you, or lots of things have happened and lots of things haven't happened since. We're going to go Savvy B. Well, one of my favourite films, uh, which has a, a really fantastic uh, football uh, scene in it, is uh, Kez. I don't know if you remember Kez. Uh, but Kez was actually uh, filmed uh, in this place that is number one on the TripAdvisor website for Barnsley. And it's the RSPB Old Moor Nature Reserve and Bird Sanctuary. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Kez, Kez was filmed there. And Kez is, Kez is short for Kestrel because the young boy has this Kestrel. And, and uh, it's, it's a really fantastic moving film. Um, but what's been spotted there recently is a rough-legged buzzard. And I'd like people to, to tweet which footballer they would, they, they would think was a rough-legged buzzard. Okay. Right, so if anyone, <laughs> anyone around the table's got an idea, go for it now. But, okay, uh, any ideas on rough-legged buzzards, tweet in to Besotted or Savvy B um, uh, or anybody uh, because we have got no idea about that. But look, Or a rough bastard. Okay, uh, or, just, or just any any kind of roughness. But listen, Barnsley are coming up on Saturday, and uh, sometimes we just sort of we fluff it a little bit, and we try to think that we know it, we're knowing about. But instead, sometimes we need to go straight to the source. So we're going up to Barnsley. We're going to speak to somebody who knows everything about Barnsley, Lucy Dawn. She's going to give us some information on a new little feature called the knowledge, the Tykes view of Barnsley. No, no, no. Hold on. When did you when did you name this fucking section? The knowledge. Listen, mate, you, everyone out there knows no, about no, the knowledge. No. The knowledge has always existed. No, you can't name a section without it being put to the blooming the rest is of it us. About, is it's Jerry the cabbie named it. <laughs> now, the footballing village, mate, we, we, we had hours discussing the footballing village section. You just named this the, the knowledge without any input from anyone else. Listen, no, 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 the, the knowledge has always been there, but listen, we're going to go to Lucy <laughs> from the... Barnsley blog who's going to be giving the knowledge the Tykes view on what's going down in Barnsley Hello my name's Lucy Dawn and I'm from the Barnsley blog and Matt Dryter um, the Tykes have had a pretty tough season this season so I'm going to give you the knowledge a Tykes view on life at Barnsley Is losing at Forest really Barnsley's last straw or can we pull something out of the bag in the last few games? Last few matches, you know, have been a bit 
the play has not been as good as what we could have had it. Jose Marish has made some strange changes to the team. Nottingham Forest was a game in hand and I think we could have really done with winning that to give us any chance of survival in the Championship this season. Heckingbottom, hero or villain? Tough answer to give. Lots of fans will say villain. For one brief period, he was a hero. He got us up into the Championship, but because of what he did, went to Leeds, um, local rivals. He's a villain. It's it's an unforgivable move in most Barnsley fans' eyes. I just I wouldn't have him back. If he was given the opportunity, he's made his bed, he can lay in it. We've got Jose Moration to replace him. I'm still not sure if that was the right thing to do, but we'll see what happens as we move forward. If I could turn back the Barnsley clock now, what era would you turn it back to and why? I think I would go back to the 2006 season. I'm a relatively young fan, so... Back in 2006, we were promoted to the Championship and we had a few good seasons up there. Um, We had a good team back then. And, you know, football was enjoyable. Really wanted to go and watch football. Chinese businessman Chien Li, who owns FC Nice and Billy Bean from the baseball world and Moneyball fame, have invested in Barnsley. Will next season be all about stealing bases and trips to the French Riviera? I think it's only fair that I firstly mention our previous owner, Patrick Crine, Patrick had to sell the club because he was really ill and sadly in January um, Patrick lost his battle with cancer. But if it wasn't for Patrick, we wouldn't exist. So I'm really thankful that Patrick Crane came along and gave us a football club to support. I'm hoping Chin Lee and his consortium dig deep into their pockets next season and spend some money. They said they weren't going to in January, but we really need them to spend um, for next season. Especially if we do stay in the championship, we really need to come out and spend some money on players. What's the scores on the doors, Tykes versus Bees? A tough one. Bees are looking for playoff places, but Ansley are hoping to try and avoid relegation, and we could still possibly do that. I'm an optimistic fan when it comes to predicting Barnsley scores, so I'm going to predict Barnsley 2-1. Thanks for listening. I hope the Bees have a good, productive season. Next season, um, you're going to have championship football or possibly Premier League football, and we look forward to playing against you again sometime soon. You can catch me, Lucy Dawn, on Twitter at LucyDawn89, or you can follow the Barnsley blog at the Barnsley blog. Um, And you can catch me on Facebook also. My page is the Barnsley blog. So that was Lucy from the Barnsley blog with the knowledge, the tight view of Barnsley. Game's gone, Bill. Game has gone. Listen, mate, you're just jealous, man, because the knowledge is there. But Barnsley, she's given us a little bit of insight to Barnsley but we also know quite a bit about Barnsley because uh, we played them the last few seasons and uh, we've struggled to beat Barnsley over a period of time haven't we I mean well the last couple of games I mean we went up to Barnsley last season pretty much a year ago today they went into the lead they scored a, a pretty good goal if I remember rightly uh, came a bit up out of the blue but Florian Joseph soon scored an equaliser which was a very good goal and I think it was also his first goal for Brentford and we all went very potty and at the end of the day it ended up quite a nice first trip to Barnsley for quite a while didn't it yeah it was a really good day out um, we went to a really lovely couple of pubs before the match um, there's some really good breweries in, in and around Barnsley as well so we, uh, you know hopefully we can get there early enough to check check one or two of them out um, Bar- the West Ham Boggs who's the Barnsley fans who've got their own beer as well remember yep they have got their own beer uh, on match days in, in a couple of the local pubs so yeah fair play to them for sorting that one out 
I think Barnsley this season, or, or particularly the back end of this season, they've really disappointed, if I'm honest with you. I've always sort of rooted for them to get themselves out of the, their predicament, obviously at the expense of Birmingham, but they, they've just not quite been able to do that at all. I think they pulled out one one last-minute victory. I think it might have been against Forest, but you know, I've, I've been looking, looking for them to, to kind of show this kind of spirit that they showed last year, and it's just, for whatever reason, it's not happened. So, you know, I just hope that they don't pull one out of the bag on Saturday. If they, if they, if they, you know, if they continue to to the recent form, Brentford will probably win this one. Um, and depending which Brentford turns up on the day is how many we win it by. But you know, you often see strange results happen this kind this time of the season. So, you know, again, you, you, you rule nothing in and nothing out at all ever at this level. You know, that's the, that's the one thing I have I have learned is just that take nothing for granted. We, if it all goes to form, we should win, and it takes it into the last game of the season. But you know, it's possible we can go there and we, we'll just trip up. I can't see it happening though. St. Barnsley, when they've got a new manager, Marais, because obviously Heckenbottom who was in charge when he played Brentford earlier this season, is now at Leeds. And he was also in charge last season. He's been involved in buying new, new players and bringing the new players, who hand all these players through and then selling them off. And so, you know, he had something going on at Barnsley, but he's moved on. Now, Marais is in there as well. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, we've struggled to beat them in the last couple of games. Their strengths and weaknesses in Barnsley, do you think those are still going to be there? We're going to be able to overcome them? I think the difficult thing for us with Barnsley has always been the kind of defensive way that they've played and the, you know that nil-nil draw at Griffin Park earlier in the season was pretty bad in terms of our ability to break down that back line of what felt like about eight men at certain times. So if the new manager's got them playing in a different style, then maybe that gives us some opportunities. Maybe that's a kind of positive thing for us and, you know, they need a win, I guess. You've got to say that Barnsley, you've got to be coming for us on Saturday. It's shit or bust for them, you know what I'm saying? They can't be sitting back. They need to just go hell for leather. A lot of their fans, as you said, even you know Lucy and everyone are saying, I think it might be over, but if they get a win on Saturday, you just never know. Just like with us, if we win on Saturday, you just never know what happens last game of the season. Savvy B, what are you saying on this match on Saturday, which is our pivotal for both the Bees and for Barnsley? Well, when they came down uh, earlier in the season, they bought the biggest bus you could possibly find and parked it in front of the goal. It was just uh, just no no attempt at trying to win that game. But as you say, now they have to. They genuinely have to win. They can't do anything else, as otherwise they're down. And uh, I think that just opens the door for us. They're, they're going to have to come at, come at us and we will just destroy them. Isn't it incredible just what this this part of the season does to everyone? You know, we you know week in week out we're playing for three points or one point uh, or no points if you're Birmingham City, and you know it all comes down, it all crystallises in this last two or three games of the season where no one's really actually watching the game. Everyone's looking at their phones, seeing what's happening elsewhere around the country, just seeing what the permutations are, seeing how each result affects the relegation, the promotion, and the playoff places. It is it is amazing that this last couple of weeks anything could happen and anything probably will happen. You know, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's the season's almost forgotten about, and you go into playoff mode, and then you're waiting for the fixtures to come out. But you know, I still think there's a there's a there's a, a twist in the tail somewhere in this season, and w- why can't it be us? Question mark. As Laney finishes off this podcast, this is the besotted 
Pride of West London podcast. So we've had a good evening here at the Drayton Court Hotel. We'll be back here next Friday, Friday the 4th of May, for our end of season bees up with Martin Allen. It's going to be wicked. Tickets are sold out, but if you go to the website, click on there and go on the wait list, we may have a few tickets available for characters. Oh, I've got a good idea for a new section. It's going to be called Match Predictions. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Let's do some match predictions as well, like, you know, as we um, just, I'm explaining where we are, and then I was going to do some predictions, but that's really great. But I'll tell you something, maybe new, I, new might, yeah, I might boycott that, actually. Yeah. I might boycott that, but listen, I'm going to go around the table here and ask people what their match predictions are, because this is completely new, and you probably won't know how to do that. Kate, TB. Well, I'm a little confused as to what I'm supposed to do in this section, <laughs> but, but two one Bs. 2-1 to the Mighty B, Savvy B. I think there must be a better title than match predictions. I think we should have a, a couple of drinks and work it out. But uh, I'm going to go for 3-0 Bs. 3-0 to the Savvy B. And uh, Lainey? We're going to call this the rough-legged buzzard section. <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to go for a 2-1 two, Brentford. 2-1 to the Mighty Bs. It's, uh, it's pretty unanimous at the moment now. And I'll, I'll be very, you know, it would be really bad if I actually went against the flow. And I'm going to go 3-0 to the Mighty Bs on Saturday. So it's a full house here in the Drayton Court Hotel. But like I said to you, coming back to it, Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Sections all done. Sections all made up. Sections all over. We're looking forward to Saturday. You must do. Tell you something. Go to iTunes and give us a comment and also give us a big thumbs up and just give us five stars. Like I said to you, yeah, there's an, and there's a few comments up there and on, on, that we need to give some people. Like, there's Obehave as well. I live 30,000 miles away, listen to the podcast for many years. And I live in East Midlands and don't get many games, but once a B. Thanks, Obehave as well. Just give us a comment on iTunes as well. And DW Tenzen. So it's Boazen as well. Love the obsession. The cast of characters talk football, cod analysis, half-baked politics, pubs and more. Great fun. It's very professionally put together in one week. Occasional reference to Tom Terry's mum. Very amusing too. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> Indeed. And also Hoppy on 100. Great podcast. And they've got a Thursday radio show on Dust Sport Radio. Good thanks for the cue, Hoppy. Check out our radio show tomorrow night, Thursday. 9 till 10, 5.58 a.m. It's also on online, lovesportradio.com and also on DAB. Check us out as well. As well, he does 30,000 miles a year apparently, like. But check us out on Love Sport Radio. It's going to be, we're going to be talking Barnsley. We're going to even be having Joe Beardsall from Dern FM. is going to be chatting Barnsley on that for us as well. And Kate's going to join us again on the radio show. She's on a double bubble. She's like a, she's like a newbie, but she's been firmly entrenched as part of the crew now, you know what I'm saying? Which is all good as well. Other than that, like I said to you, we have been shortlisted for a football blogging award so go to besotted.com and go to the banner there and you'll see football blogging award and just vote for us and be very very grateful thank you thank you very much for checking out a radio show and giving us all good as well other than that like I said to you um, we've got the end of season bees up sold out but like I said go on the wait list just go and click on that on the website besotted.com and subscribe and review and thanks to the guests that we go to Barnsley and we're going to be so happy because listen it's over but it's never over until the fat lady sings as she sings. Firmly entrenched. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.